cliffcentral.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, get to Rich Mulholland. He's on the line and waiting for us. Uh, I saw Rich in his stride doing the stuff he does best at um, BCX. There was this big uh, conference that I went to on Thursday, and Rich was one of the speakers, and he was on fire. He's on the line. He's on Skype. Good morning, Rich Mulholland. You were terrific. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? Good, man. You were great on, on Thursday. Well done. Who, whose body, so whose body would you like, Rich? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, right now, somebody younger. <laughs> no. I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling old and sore. What did you do this weekend? Anything that made you more old and sore? <laughs> I played board games. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. so dangerous. Were, were you playing Jumanji? Hey, can uh, you, I wish. Can you believe yeah, that you the... actually can buy Jumanji, the board game. Yeah. Can so. you believe that the Queen doesn't allow any members of the royal family to play Monopoly because they get too vicious with each other? Listen, nobody in the world should be allowed to play Monopoly. Oh. It's a horrific, horrific game. It's, it's not that it's it's a terrible game. It's that it's a very old game. It was designed in like 1906. Yeah. Like we've progressed. That's like still playing. That's like still playing Pong in video game terms. Right. What sort of game? Yeah. What sort of games are you playing? I mean, you, you often bring up these games, but I don't even know what they, how they work, what, what kinds of games they are, who can so play. So last night I played a game with the kids called Charterstone or with the family, uh-huh. and uh, it's a game in which uh, the first time you play the game, you've got to place workers to earn different different things as you go around the board. But every as you play the game, you actually take out stickers and you upgrade the board, and the game actually changes over twelve plays, so that it's never actually the same game twice in a row. So we're at the end of game two, and the board looks, you know, 30% different to how it looked when we started playing. And there's about four or five more rules in the game as well. That's an absolutely phenomenal, very thinky game. Wow. It, it's really, really good. But the idea that um, games have so much more interaction in them now and a lot more thinking and decision time, yeah, I think it, I think it makes you smarter. It's like a, it's like a sharpening for the brain. I like the sound of that. Yeah, it's very cool. I've got to learn how to play these games, and I know I've threatened to come and, and, and spend some time with you and Jasmine and actually figure it out, but maybe this December we've got to make it happen. That'd be rare, dude. We'll rope you into one. All right, so reality check time. Um, what have we got going on today? What's that crazy head of yours obsessed with this morning? So the reality check is actually about uh, the conference we were speaking about last week, mm-hmm. and it's, it's actually about the kind of narrative that we have about ourselves and with other people. And I brought this up in the Q&A uh, and but I've been frustrated about it almost the whole week. Nike's a great guy, and I love him dearly, and I, I'm very thankful uh, that he took the time to help uh, facilitate some Q and A with with these outside experts. But my frustration is this: we bring in outsiders, people like say Malcolm Gladwell and Will I Am, and we ask them questions like, "What would you do to fix South Africa?" or "What would South Africa need to do?" Now, the first, my first problem with this is that these guys, I mean, they don't know. Okay. So they, they genuinely don't know. Kofi Annan, I think, said it best when he said Africa's problem will be solved by Africans. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've seen time and again that, uh, businesses have called Africa wrong. You know, they come into South Africa thinking it's a gateway to Africa. They try to launch these great big, uh, uh, kind of modern day or freeing up the continent and bringing this, uh, you know, beautiful technology to people that actually haven't asked for it yet, mm-hmm. but uh, and and they fail. And so my first thing is that I think we should stop asking outsiders questions about how to fix ourselves. 
And the main reason for this is that what we should just be asking them is smart questions, uh, smart questions about everything, anywhere, anywhere in their mind. I think we should understand or that we don't have to have the conversation about such a parochial topic as South Africa or Africa. It's okay for us to let get a sense from outside thinkers about what they're thinking about the world in general and to draw our own conclusions from those. We need to ask these big, smart people big, smart questions about big, smart things and then understand how we can apply that to South Africa. You know, one of the questions that was asked would be, was, um, what must South Africa do to, to become the next Silicon Valley? I mean, you know, Silicon Valley doesn't waste time asking itself what it should do to become Silicon Valley. Yeah, there isn't, a, and there, isn't, there isn't a committee of people in Silicon Valley who get together and go, guys, we've got to do the next big thing. Right. Whereas out down here, there are initiatives like the Silicon Cape that are trying to turn around to say, how do we turn ourselves into the Silicon Valley? Right. You know, the Silicon Valley isn't a name they gave themselves. It was a kind of a, a broader term that, that encapsulates, I guess, maybe a, a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, what these guys are doing different to us, we're thinking about how we can become a Silicon Valley. They're just thinking about how they can become a better version of themselves, how right. they can become, you know, what does the world need and how can we solve it? And I think that's the question. Uh, we should just be asking ourselves not about how can we become somebody else, just what does the world need and how can we solve it? We should be echoing the narrative they have with themselves and uh, not trying to, uh, uh, you know, live a narrative that they would have for us. Is, is this sort of thinking too small? Is that your problem with it? Absolutely. I think that we are, we are if we think like this, we're thinking one step too far, uh, you know, one step behind. But it's just, it's not an interesting thought. What we need to be thinking about is how would we want to change the world? What would we want to do to change the world? Mm-hmm. And, and, oh, the other thing is every time we have these conferences, we talk about what we'd want to do, you know, what must Africa do? But it's like the one time a year we have that discussion around Africa because the rest of the time what we're thinking about is, sure, but what should we do at Cliff Central to, you know, increase the right. numbers? Or what should we do at Missing Link to drive more sales and revenue? Right. And then we go to these big industry conferences and we act like what we don't care about really is our businesses and things like that. What we care about is Africa. Now, you have like a couple of thousand people arrive at that conference paying whatever it was, 20-odd grand to sit there. They're actually not arriving there to solve Africa's tech problems. They're arriving there to make better businesses for themselves. Correct. And yet, you have these guys stand up on a panel discussion, and the conversation is all directed around something at a much larger scale. You know, what can South Africa do? Unfortunately, we're not a collective noun. We're a group of individuals. And the best thing that we as South Africans can do, I know it sounds selfish and horrible, but it's if we all drive our own businesses. You know, if Cliff Central grows from strength to strength and you hire more people and you change the conversation, you do all of the things that you can do, then we will uplift our community one business at a time. Right. And that needs to be the starting point. So instead of having a group of people and asking them, hey, what can we do to solve Africa? What we should be asking them is, how can we actually solve our businesses? What should entrepreneurs be looking at? So that would have been an interesting question. Uh, what I understand then is that we've got to start thinking big, but you've got to start acting small. In other words, um, acting on the scale that you can make immediate change within your own business, 100%. within your own life. Right. I like this. Think this as big as of, you can right. about things that you yourself can change. When we talk about something anytime in a collective, we're almost out, we're out, we're, we have an opinion in the, as a collective, but we're suggesting that somebody else, you know, cause you walk away and nobody's doing anything different for Africa today. Yeah. Not one of those CEOs came back to work and thought, sure, 
I wonder how Africa is doing this morning. What they thought about was how is their share price doing this morning? Correct. But but it's completely okay because if they just sit there as presidents of their own little nations and they run their businesses better, it will employ more people. We will uplift, uh, you know, our thinking. We'll uplift everything. Oh, and then one other little rant I have. That's to very good. Uh, no, no, this is this is important because everybody's always trying to externalize their problems as well. They're trying to find someone else to blame for all of their problems. Yes, and what we need is actual is like hyper internalization. Yeah. We need to stop talking the collective. We need to talk about the individual. What can this individual do? You know, what can every single person driving to today to work do? You know, we can think about the nation. You know, what do we have to do to build a better nation? Well, every one of you has to work a bit harder. And if you've got that business idea, quit and start it. Employ 10 people in the next five years. Then you're already helping. You know, you've 10x'd your impact to the community just by doing that. And you, that's the call to action. The call to action isn't solve Africa. It's solve ourselves. Right. And if we can solve ourselves enough, we will lift the nation behind us. Beautiful. I love it. All right. And then you Brad. said that there was something else that you wanted to throw in. The one other thing is is a bit smaller, but I guess this is a rant to anybody who's organizing a conference and event. Stop organizing panel discussions in general. You know, if you hire me to do a talk, I have to sit there and I have to do a lot of preparation. I have to stop and consider how long, you know, what have I got to say? I've got 30 minutes. I've got to really think long and hard about the content that I create. But if you ask me to arrive and do a panel discussion, I don't start thinking about it until, I, until my arse is on the chair and the stage. And what we're doing is we're outsourcing the burden of preparation to the the moderator and not the thinker. So I was at a conference in San Francisco, and it was um, Zistrom, whatever his name was, from uh, Instagram and Zuckerberg were on the stage. And there was a fast company moderator there. And I thought these are two of you know the smartest young entrepreneurs on the planet. And they're being asked questions that aren't stretching them at all. There was no preparation. And so as an audience, we lost out. And I understand it's easier, but I think we need to push for more. I want to hear what people's actual opinions are, not their answer to questions. Because when, when I'm preparing my own talk, I tell you what I'm thinking about, what keeps me awake at night. But when somebody else asks me a question, well, then I just answer it. <laughs> uh, I know exactly what you mean. I've been the moderator on a few panels, and uh, I've also been a guest on a few panels, and I, it, I totally agree. If you're a guest on a panel, you don't think about anything until you're sitting down. Yeah, so it's the easiest gig in the world. And and then conversely, you're you're thinking about everything to do with what you've got to do and who you've got there and everything else when you sit down and you're the the moderator. That's hard work. And invariably, the problem is, is the only stuff that you can find on, you know, to ask them is you'll have to ask them questions about content you find that they've already put online. Correct. So they're telling you what, so you're asking them about stuff they've previously said out loud. Right. Whereas, you know, when, when you prepare your own talk, you're, you're often arriving saying something you've never said before. Hmm. Anyway, that's it. It's very conference specific, but right. the narrative like for the it. nation is to, to fix yourself first. I like it. Okay, thanks very much, Rich. Always good to talk Thank to you. Thank you, guys. And you have a lovely day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Rich Mulholland, everybody, in the Reality Check. Cliffcentral.com.